Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. We love books around here. Sure, we love movies and music and theater, but the chance to talk books with someone who loves them as much as we do, we're going to take that every time. And we're going to make it an annual thing. So we're bringing back Mitchell Kaplan. He's the co-founder of the Miami Book Fair and the owner of South Florida's most popular independent bookstore chain, Books and Books. We have a lot to talk about. We've had some of the best authors in the country drop knowledge on us in the past year. Edwidge Dantica took on book bans. Let's celebrate books and not ban books. Sandra Cisneros gave us dating advice. I just feel like, you know, if you're looking for love, you know, go sit under a tree. You know, go to the botanical gardens, get on a mountain, adopt a dog. You know, <laughs> there's love all around you. We love books so much, we took over an event at the Miami Book Fair to interview Florida legend Carl Hyacin. We talked to him about his favorite hobby. The kind of fishing I do, which is fly fishing for sport fish like tarpon and bonefish, uh, one of the uh, attractions is that it, you can't really think about anything else. So it's great when you're not writing to have something that's so distracting. I, I may have damaged my one of my sons when he was young taking him fishing. and. It, <laughs> You can find all those conversations in our podcast catalog. But let's add to it by welcoming our book buddy, Mitchell Kaplan. <laughs> Welcome, Mitchell. Carlos, that was an amazing opening, I tell you. I mean, you guys have done on Sundial so much for books, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, go on. No, no, I, really, go on. <laughs> I will go on. <laughs> no. I mean, the amount no. of authors who have come off your program and just sing your praises are uh, too many to count. Listen, I'm not saying that we're responsible for J for Jonathan Escoffrey being named the finalist for a Booker Prize after he was on our show, but I'm not not saying that. Don't say it, but I would have to take credit for it before you do. Oh, is that right? Because we had him in the bookstore before you had him in your show. And that was a book that I read in Galley, and I couldn't get enough of it. Wasn't that an amazing book? Well, I want to say that it was, it might have been you that turned me on to it, uh, like uh, maybe like late October last year. Uh, I think I think you said like, you have to read this book. Oh, it, it was, was, you know, and I just kept seeing it, you know, sort of flow upwards everywhere. More people were reading it. It got all these awards. And, you know, it just is so heartening when someone comes out of out of the blue, basically, because... You know, it wasn't one of those heralded books at first. Um, and then it finds its readership. Yeah, There's something was, so beautiful about that. Yeah, the book is uh, If I Survive You. Um, and he, and like you said, it's his first book. It's like interconnected stories that are that kind of develop into this novel. And, um, and, and I thought the same thing you did. I was like, wait, is it just me? Or is this really great? And then the world started discovering. Exactly. And then he was on the on the Booker long list. Right. And then he was on the Booker short right, list. Right. 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 What What's cool about it? What's really interesting is that you and I, both of us being from Florida, yeah. can we can identify with it. Oh yeah. Right. But that's the story of Miami. The idea of a young man, a young kid from Jamaica, coming over and trying to find his identity. Yeah. And how he fits into the world. You know, because he goes off to graduate school, just how he fits in the world. Yeah. And that's built into our DNA. Yeah. I mean, those of us who've grown up here, it's not unusual, right? I mean, we, we've all been through that in one way or another, or we know a lot of people who've done that. But he wrote about it so beautifully that it became a universal story. Yes, universally. It is. became universal. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what I really believe 
that what he did, even with people who don't necessarily come from a very diverse place or don't understand diversity the way we do, I've always thought that a good book is the most amazing empathy machine. Mm. So what he did by writing that book is he brought people into his own world. And then that sense of empathy that he developed with the reader, I think, single-handedly has um, sensitized so many people to the idea of um, trying to get beyond yourself mm-hmm. and to try to understand someone else's story. Yeah, and I think that one of the one of the things he did beautifully in that book is that he doesn't hit you over the head with it. You know, it's just no. he writes he writes in such a way that it um, it, it brings you into his world. Um, you know, and and we've had we've had authors like that throughout the year. Um, I, I want to say one of the last books that I read uh, that has really stayed with me is the Reformatory, right. uh, Tanana Reeve Du, uh, who was who was with us uh, earlier in the year before the book fair. But you have a very oh. close relationship. Okay, with her, so right? here I was. I was um, a lot of people don't know, but before I had the bookshop, in between dropping out of law school and opening the bookstore, I came back to Miami. And I got a degree, a master's in English and education, so I could teach high school. Because while I was planning the bookstore, I had to earn some money. So I worked at Southridge High School, which was just opening at the time, all the way south in Cutler Ridge. Mm-hmm. And I taught, it was really interesting, I, I got hired in August, relatively new school, and they did not have a 10th grade honors program yet. So the school started in September, so in August, they gave me the, the 10th grade honors English, said, come up with a curriculum. Oh, wow, like so, on, your, on yeah, the fly, so on come the up fly, with a curriculum. I came up with this curriculum. Wow. Um, I probably would have got arrested today if I was in the school system, <laughs> given what my curriculum was, but but be that as it may. In what kind wa- of things? What, what, do you, what do you mean by what kind of things oh, were you, man, were I you was encouraging? Just, I was teaching, you know, 1984 and talking about it can't happen here, but mm-hmm. it could happen here. Mm-hmm. I'm reading Slaughterhouse Five, reading things that I always thought was cool because I wasn't that far removed from high school myself. I was like 23, 24, something like that. But in walked a young girl who was about 15, 16 years old, and I got to know her, and she had a novel that was written. And Wait, she gave she me her 15, novel. 15, 16, and she already had a novel. Years old with a novel, and it turned out to be Tanana Do. <laughs> and she has become uh, really one of the foremost writers of, I guess you could call a genre black horror, or also falls into Afrofuturism. Um, and the book that she wrote very recently, uh, The Reformatory, takes kind of like this um, horror, adds this horror layer to an already horrific event, which was... The Dozier School. The actual Dozier School. Which is the same territory that Colson Whitehead covered in the Nickel Boys, more or less. And you know what's interesting about that is when we had her on the show, we talked about, hey, that book must have come out as you were writing this. And she said yes, and yeah. she was she was terrified. She's like, do I keep going with this book? And are we glad that she did? Because she gave us something totally different than Nickel Boys. Completely different look. Yeah. But prior to that, prior to the, the reformatory coming out, we became good friends. And the, the real thrill is after I opened the bookstore, being able to present her for her very first book. And then, you know, she went on to a career at the Miami Herald, wrote for the Miami Herald, wrote a column, wrote mm-hmm. other stuff. A dating column. The dating column. <laughs> and then 
And then she went on to become, you know, she's in a collection of Jordan Peele's. She has Jordan Peele come to her class at UCLA. Mm. And in fact, and oh, in look, fact, at, look at that. That's Tanana. That's Tanana. That's it. She heard you. She um, <laughs> and actually, last weekend, the LA Times Magazine, I think, had a cover story about her wow. and about, about what she does. And the other really cool thing is so I read the Reformatory years ago when it was just in galley and whatever. Oh, look at you. And my you had film the, partner and yeah. I, we optioned it. Oh, really? So we're hoping to do a really long form. Uh, TV series that she and her husband Steve Barnes who's an amazing writer in his own right will actually write and they co-write together which is yeah. interesting and and what a, what an interesting thing because it touches on uh, another thing that I want to talk with you about which is you know you obviously are, are now you've been producing films uh, for for quite a bit now yeah. you have a production company it's uh, Paula Mazer it's called Mazer the Mazer Kaplan. Kaplan company and Paula really knows what she's doing I'm uh, I'm oh, learning as I go. Oh, look at you pretending to be the... Uh, no, no, well, I am. But we're kind of creative producers. We're not the money folks. We're the folks who kind of put it all together, which is really why I enjoy doing it. We read the scripts. We try to find out who's going to direct it. We choose everything. And Paula, the detail oriented. In fact, she is right now in London for what we hope will be a shoot that will start in February for a series of books that are really cool. Uh, the writer is a guy, um, um, oh, he's Canadian, his name is, I keep wanting to say Alan Bennett, but it's not Bennett, it's Alan, what are, the what whole the series? series is called The Flavia de Luce Mysteries. The very first one is Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie. And it's about a 14 year old, um, a 14 year old savant, little girl, who knows everything about anything about science. And she solves murders and crimes with what she knows. And the very first one is she exonerates her dad. And oh, wow. we have Martin Freeman starring in it from The Hobbit and The Office, the original and, British And Fargo, office. I want to say the and first Fargo. season of Fargo. And the, the author of that series is Alan Bradley. Alan Bradley, that's right. Thank you. And and um, that's, that's uh, you know, it's interesting to see what you're working on next. I want to say that I just saw... Uh, um, one of the movies that you guys produced, which was I want to say last year, was The Man Who Invented Christmas. Well, in, yeah. and if you haven't seen, if folks haven't seen that that film, it's well, on. Here, I want to say it's on Prime. Well, it's, it is, but here's a cool thing: the Carl Gable Cinema is going to show it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, and on Saturday, Les Standiford, who actually wrote the book, and I are going to be there to present it at eleven o'clock on Saturday morning. Perfect timing. So that's literally across the street from yeah, Books and Books and, and Coral and, Gables. And Les just sent me this thing where one of the magazines just anointed it as one of the best Christmas films made from a book, which is kinda cool. It definitely is. It's a, it, it has that kind of Shakespeare in love kind of feeling where you exactly. start you start it starts dropping little pieces of of literary background into the story. Yeah, well basically it's, it's a story of Charles Dickens and the way he self-published um, uh, A Christmas Carol. And so what it turns into is kind of a, a, a Christmas Carol-like uh, exploration of the life of Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. So um, um, uh, Christopher Plummer plays Scrooge, taking Dan Stevens through his life. And he is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Christopher Plummer's amazing. Yeah, no, we lost him last year, but yeah. great, great guy. 
Um, I want to ask you about some of the books this year in 2023 that you really loved, uh, either things that you found yourself recommending, you know, over and over, uh, not just necessarily people, uh, things that people came to you for, but stuff that just kind of came out of the blue for you and, and that you found yourself telling others about. Are there some that you loved? Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a lot of really great books that are out. I mean, one of them that um, I couldn't seem to get enough of was um, Paul Auster's new book called Bumgartner. Okay. I, I know it's not one that everyone has heard about, but it is really excellent. It's, it's, it's Paul, who's probably in his mid-70s, but he's writing about a man who's a retired uh, guy in his about 70s who was ma- He was a professor, and he was married to a poet. His wife was a poet who died tragically. Mm. And it's him dealing with the death. He's six years after the death that we meet Baumgartner. Um, but it is written with such clarity and, su- and, and such empathy toward what a, a single lonely man might be going through. But at the same time, you begin to learn about his life and the backstory. And you realize that his life is a lot richer than you might have thought about if you just read the first chapter. Right. And it it's it's so, so excellent. And it's only 200 pages, so you can get through it really quickly. But it's one of those elegiac, beautifully written novels that I always spark to. Yeah. I, one of the books that really stood out for me this year um, was uh, Crook Manifesto by Colson Whitehead. Uh, yeah. That was a book that I've been looking forward to ever since he wrote Harlem Shuffle. And just because he, he when he decided that he was going to turn that kind of into this, uh, almost like a trilogy. Yeah, right? almost like a trilogy, like a like a no. You would almost call it noir. Um, yeah. And and it's one of those things you wonder how is he going to follow this up. And I just found it so much uh, richer and involving. And it's uh, it's one of those books that uh, that I'm going to remember. There's you know, a, another I want sleeper. I would mm-hmm. talk about it. It's a book that, believe it or not, was a huge bestseller in Europe and other places. It was her first novel. She was in her 50s, and her name is Shelley Reed. She lives in western Colorado, sixth-generation western Colorado woman. And she wrote a book called Go is a River. And it's set up so interestingly with so many kind of different different threads that you can go on. The, The central story is about a young girl who grows up in a kind of dysfunctional family of men in the 40s in western Colorado. And she falls in love with a Native American guy, and her family, these men, can't deal with it, just post-World War II. And then she kind of runs off with him a little bit, and then something happens. So that you see that story played out. And then the other story that's played out beautifully is this town in western Colorado, which could be like Crested Butte or one of those towns, Mm -hmm. is being drowned because they're damming the Gunnison River. And so her family has a peach farm. And what they have to do is move this peach farm to another place. So it's all about change and all about resiliency. And at the same time, it's one of those, it's it's an engaging story. It's what I call... It's it's kind of uh, it, it's commercial literary fiction, right? So if you wanted just a great read, but something that's really well written, like Lessons in Chemistry, 
that's a book that you might want to get. Lessons in Chemistry I'm really interested in. Uh, that It's funny you mentioned Go as a River. I started into that book, and it didn't catch my attention, so I passed it on uh, to someone who uh, who was interested. But that's the thing about books is, like, you know, you can have different takes on it. And and I, and I one of the best things that uh, my friend uh, Connie Ogle, our friend Connie Ogle, who's the former books editor at the, at the Miami Herald and is now the food editor at the Herald, she said, you know, life is too short to read books that, that you're not into. So if you... Come across well, there's one. The, there's the 50 page rule, right? That you can. Right. You got to give it 50 you pages. You got to give it at least 50 pages. Right. Our guest today is Mitchell Kaplan. He's the co founder of the Miami Book Fair and the owner of Books and Books, one of the most popular independent bookstore chains in South Florida. So obviously, you have to. Uh, you, you're, you're, we've been talking about books nonstop. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's not just a thing that you do, but it's a passion, right? And. You recently did something really I thought was just really interesting is that you took so much of like the good works that were happening at the bookstore, which the events and the and the different outreaches that you've tried to do. And then you kind of split them off from like the bookstore itself into its own literary foundation. Right. So yeah. tell me tell me about the inspiration for that. Yeah, I will. I will. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, You know, pandemic made you think a lot about a lot of different things and mm. a lot of people tried to reinvent themselves after the pandemic. And and during the pandemic, I began to really take stock of all those things that we've been doing and then where I want to be 10, 15 years from now and what we should be doing. And everything boiled down to the fact that, and it's it's part of what we do, so it was never done, I, I never did it strategically, it's just what we did, which was always thinking of the bookstore as a community space always thinking of the bookstore as being part of what I have always called the passion economy. Uh, I didn't get into business just to be in business. I got into business to be in the book business so that we could help build community and do something that would be meaningful for the community. Right. Otherwise, you would have you would have become a lawyer. You would have stayed yeah. and become a lawyer right. and made your parents uh, sweat less, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but so what I began to realize is doing all the work that we've done over the years for 40 years when we present authors and we send book authors into the schools and you know all of the the advocacy that we've always been doing for books for reading for community we've always funded through the sale of books and that's a hard thing to be doing yeah um, and you know we operate more like a not-for-profit anyway um, and so I, I got wind of the fact that there were a number of bookstores around the country that were doing what they call, becoming what they call hybrid stores. Okay. They were doing, a, they had a retail component, and then they had a not-for-profit as well. And what they were able to do is help support all of the ongoing community-based events they were doing through their not-for-profit. And at the same time, it allowed them to do even more. And so that became something that I started exploring. And we launched it just about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And in doing it, it will allow us to, to ensure that no matter what happens with retail, because who knows what's going to happen with retail, right? The survival of books and books will stay intact. And that's because there'll be community buy-in. The community, it, 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 it is of the community, and now we're giving the community the ability to sort of ensure that Books and Books both survives, but then at the same time, we can do a whole lot more things that we're poised to be doing. And I'll give you one example. Mm -hmm. Probably the best example recently 
has been um, all of this book banning that is going on. Right. This so, is a this is the thing that's been a theme with uh, that we've talked about with every author that's been yeah. on. Everybody's had something to say about. So it. so basically, the book the the, the 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 foundation has three basic pillars that it that it lives on. One is nurturing readers. The other is cultivating community, and the third thing is advocacy and mostly now promoting the free exchange of ideas. Mm. So in doing that, we've been able to do book giveaways. We've been able to bring authors into Miami who normally weren't on book tour. Uh, we brought in Chastin Buttigieg, for instance, Pete Buttigieg's husband. We had him on the show yeah. a, a couple of weeks we ago. We were able one to our, bring him one of our in. editors interviewed him, yeah. We were able to bring him in during um, uh, Pride Month. And then we were able to do a book giveaway through the foundation to kids who needed to hear that message. Um, these are the kinds of things we can do. We can bring, I want to bring authors into the schools, very much like the school I was teaching in in Southridge or in Cutler Ridge or in Homestead, Title I schools, and give a, a book to every single kid who hears that author. And and we should, we should note that when we talk about book bans, specifically what we're talking about is the Florida school districts removed about 300 books from school library shelves last year, 300 titles. Uh, NBC News reported that in September. And, and among those books, I mean, we're talking about things like Toni Morrison's Beloved. We're talking about Margaret, Margaret Atwood's uh, sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, The Testaments. I mean, we're talking about very much um, meaningful mainstream books. That oh, they're, talk all, about, yeah. they're all meaningful. Yeah. And, and, and you, know, the, you know, this is a statistic that is pretty crazy. 40% of all books that were restricted or banned last year were in Florida. Forty percent. Wow. So it's it's a, and it's very irrational. Uh, you know, for instance, you know what spurred us down here in Miami to action was the fact that um, there were three books restricted from Bob Graham K through eight school. Uh, um, one was to show you what they were doing. One was ABCs of Black History, which was a picture book. The other was another picture book. Um, Songs of Langston Hughes, which was about his poetry. And the last one was uh, by the poet laureate, the, 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 the black poet laureate who read at Obama's inauguration. Uh, Amanda uh, Gorman. Hill, yeah, Amanda Gorman, The Hill We Climb. Those three books were moved out of the out of the elementary school into the middle school library. What do those things have in common? What yeah, are those what, what three... Could it be? Things have in common. So we had this big yeah. event at the Carl Gables Congregational Church, which builds, I love, it builds itself as the um, sanctuary for banned books is what it builds itself. And they're phenomenal. They just, they just uh, celebrated their 100th year of existence. So we did an event there. 500 people showed up. We gave away 1,200 books with the idea that you as a parent should decide for yourself whether the kids should read this. You can't let one parent decide for everyone. And, it, and right? in one case, at least one school district, it was one parent. That oh, that's was, all that it was is. putting in a, a, a kind of a, an objection to a book, and then it just sweepingly well, got uh, the, the scary North thing Florida. is that yeah. all of the book banning, all of the restriction, it's been like 11 people doing all of it. Right, all over the country, right. All over yeah. the country. You... Um, this this really struck a chord, obviously, for many reasons, struck a chord with you, but you wrote an op-ed piece about it uh, in the Miami Herald. I that did, I, I did, because, you know, one of the things that came from, you know, people, you know, when you read about these things and you experience it, 
sometimes you feel a little overwhelmed, mm -hmm. right? You feel like, what can I be doing? So what I thought about was explaining that we as a bookstore, we put on events. So we could actually be an activator. And we activated. And when we found that when we put on this event, we found that there were tons of small groups working in Miami that were pushing back. And we brought them together. And there's a WhatsApp that was formed. It's like Families Against Banned Books, Moms for Libros. You guys should follow their Instagrams. They're amazing. Uh, the Florida the Florida Foundation for Free Expression, amazing. They are doing, they're all parents, they're mothers, they're, they're fathers, and they are fighting this fight. And we've created a coalition called the Freedom Coalition, F-R-E-A-D-O-M. Right. It's a loose coalition, but there's a WhatsApp. Everyone's communicating now with one another. So the idea that you can't do anything uh, was really put to the put to, to as a lie, you know, when we saw what happened out of this. And it, it's one of those things that I think about uh, when I think about books being banned. It's um, this idea that these books should not be read rather than talking about why these books exist, right? Uh, and I think about that uh, Ray Bradbury uh, line from Fahrenheit 451, which is, if you don't want a house built, hide the nails in wood. Yeah. If you don't want a man unhappy politically, don't give him two sides to a question to, to worry him. Give him one. Better yet, give him none right right and it's this whole idea of uh it, it's it's put your head in this put your head in the sand well right? and the way i describe it too is and it, it's a little frightening actually mm. but the book banning is the tip of the iceberg the rest of the iceberg is really our democracy right so what we're looking at is an assault on our democracy because it's not only the book banning that's going on if you look, there's an incredible war against public education going on. So there are things happening that a lot of people don't know about right now. For instance, there's a school in Miami-Dade that is going to experiment, in quotes, with a, a, a kind of Christian nationalist um, um, agenda. Like a curriculum. A curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it's put out by the Prager Institute. If you really want to get scared, you look at what the Prager Institute and how they're whitewashing history. Well, so what you kind of have done here is you're then taking these selection of books that might otherwise have been uh, excluded from curriculum, and you're trying to put them in people's hands. So talk to me about the different ways that you're trying to do that through the foundation. Uh, you well, specifically mentioned, like, I want to, I feel like I read somewhere that, like, Areas that don't get a lot of uh, like yeah. areas like Homestead, which aren't far from I like a get, Miami I, that might I not get. I want to get a, authors out there. Mm -hmm. I want to get, you know, Brad and I, Brad Meltzer and I have talked about getting people out in Homestead to be, you know, or or in Liberty City that don't get a lot of authors coming through, and having every kid walk away with "I am Martin Luther King," or "I am Rosa Parks," and. Uh, those and kids you're talking about, those kids' books that uh, those those beautiful kids' books yeah. that Brad does, or or bringing you know one of the things I'm looking at doing and working with the church is actually bringing in authors of banned books and letting them be at the church and encouraging kids who don't have access to those books to join the author in conversation at the church or at the store, and then we can be giving out books to kids who might not really have access to them, in the, you know, uh, uh, generally. You, um, it, it seems to me that you have so much contact with people that 
you would you would have had some cases where someone says I I read this book and it changed my life in a certain way. Oh, all of it. Talk to me about some of those times that you. Well, had I just with... I had a kid. Yeah, I'm not a kid, an adult. <laughs> I mean, who walked up to me during the book fair, and it, it just, you know, it moves me every time that's happened. And he remembered in the old bookshop on the corner that we had, and it, you know, he was in his 40s, so it had to happen a long time ago. And he said, you know. I was never a big reader. I walked into your bookshop, and you put an Encyclopedia Brown book into my hand, and I became obsessed, and I've never stopped reading since then. And there's no greater gift you can give me than a comment like that. Um, It happens every, it happens all the time, where, where people have been moved by books, and it has set them on the road to leading a kind of a literary life where books are very important to them. Um, I, I want to ask you more about that because that kind of leads us to like other recommendations, which I want to talk about 2024. Um, one of the things that you mentioned about this literary foundation, I, I talked to you in the days before you were about to announce it, and you said that there was this thing that was interesting, which was uh, there was a sports angle because I know you're a big, well, you're yeah. a big sports nerd, yeah. you're a big Heat basketball. We fan. could spend the whole day talking about <laughs> basketball and how bad that loss was. I know last that night that hurt. But the Jimmy Butler shot at the clock. Yeah, was that was great. beautiful. And 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 Bam and and Tyler looked pretty good, you know, given that they were hurt. But one of the things I've always thought about is why not incorporate sports with reading, and then with young sports, youth sports leagues. It doesn't just have to be basketball. It can be in a whole other groups as well. But incorporate book clubs within the teams. So you're on a team. You, you also join a book club as being part of that team. And then we have facilitators come in and help, you know, help shape the book club, talk about the books, and then maybe even get the authors down to meet those kids who are on those teams as well. Well, see, what's interesting is I think about a guy like Chris Bosh when he was with oh. the Heat. People made such a big deal of the fact that he would be reading a book in the in, in the locker room. And he was not like, I don't think he would tell you that he is. He was reading 200 books a year. He was just a guy who read oh, as used part to of come, his life. It was Chris Bosh his... used to come into a Miami Beach store all the time. Oh, is that right? And, you know, there are people who come into the bookstore, like Mo Cheeks, whenever he's in town, as an assistant coach, wherever he is, comes into the bookshop. And in fact, his daughter, Maura Cheeks, is gonna, has a novel coming out that we're going to be presenting in February. Wow. Um, Ray Allen is in, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I find basketball players tend to read a fair amount. Well, they're traveling a lot, and they're, they're, they're on a plane a lot. They need some, some kind of transportable uh, goods. And our guest today is Mitchell Kaplan. He's the owner and founder of Books and Books in Coral Gables, and he's the co-founder of the Miami Book Fair. He recently launched the Books and Books Literary Foundation. So I know that you have some recommendations for us for 2024. I want to say this time last year, uh, you were here, and you recommended to me Chain Gang All-Stars um, by uh, Nana Kwame Ajebrenya. And, um, and I had not read any of his work. He'd previously only written a series of short stories called uh, Friday Black. So I read Chain Gang All-Stars, and I loved it. And then I went back and read Friday Black, and then I could see why he, um, why he was one of his mentors was George Saunders, which is a, a who's a fantastic short story. So it led me down. Your recommendation led me down this path of discovering a new author and new works and new books and new literary connections. So hit, hit me with some. Hit well, me with I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. You know, these are not all of these books are books that I've read, but what I want to do is give you some books that are anticipated that we booksellers are anticipating 
will be talked about that are interesting for 2024. I love that. There's a writer who's been around for a long time named Percival Everett. Oh, you know we can work? talk. Yes, I know his All work. Right. Then, you, then you'll be very happy to hear that he's written a new one called James. And James is a retelling of, of Huckleberry Finn through Jim's perspective. Oh, what a great and idea. it's going to be big. I mean, the, the initial buzz is huge. And that's coming out. And just keep an eye on that one, James by Percival Everett. Well, I want to say that I grabbed his book off the shelf just because of um, I his name recognition, and I thought I've never read any of his work. And I picked up The Trees, right, uh, which was kind of a um, – it, it's a little bit of mystery. It's a little bit of horror. Oh, there's plenty of horror. And it's like uh, the, the conceit was it was is the ghost of Emmett Till coming back and taking revenge upon his – uh, upon his killer's um, progeny, and and it just takes off from there. And I thought, man, the writing is in, is incredible. He's amazing. You know, whenever I go to a bookstore, I ask the bookseller there to recommend something for me. Invariably, four out of ten will give me a Percival Everett book. Right. I mean, he is a favorite among booksellers. So James, and I think he may be coming to town as well. So you may have the opportunity to interview him. I hope. Well, I would love to. Would we would love to great. have him on the show for sure. Um, there was a wonderful book about. It actually took place in Russia by Julia Phillips. That was her first novel, and she's coming out with a new one called Bear. Uh, Bear by Julia Roberts is one to really Julia really Phillips. Look. Uh, Julia Phillips. Her first one was called Disappearing Earth which was really, really excellent. What, how would you talk about her, her genre? Like, what is... Uh... It's, 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 it's fiction. It's literary fiction with a bit of a mystery involved. Mm. Uh, Disappearing Earth had um, a kidnapping that, was, that happened, but in Kamchatka <laughs> in Russia. And this was about five or six years ago. She's a young writer, Bear, um, is also a bit mysterious. Um, it's a tale of family obsession... And then there's a mysterious creature in the woods that's haunting this family. I love it. You got and, me. I was going to say uh, literary fiction. I don't. I don't read a ton of, but I did read um, Hamnet. Yeah, uh, that was a recommended book on. I, I want to say on one of the books and bookshelves, and it's kind of a. Uh, it's 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 a fictional look at like maybe what was the inspiration for Shakespeare to write Hamlet. Um, and uh, yeah, and I thought that like that yeah, was a great. I recommend it to my kids. Well, we Hamnet, Hamnet is amazing, and but. There's one that I think is going to take Miami by storm. Uh, at least I believe it will. It's called Say Hello to My Little Friend. Oh, I'm by so Janine glad. By Janine Capo-Cruset. Janine Capo-Cruset, who wrote uh, How to Leave Hialeah. How to Leave Hialeah. And what was her first big breakout book? Yeah, um, well, the first one was actually a memoir, I believe. No, no, it, it was It was called it's... Make Your Home Among Strangers. Yes, yes. And it was it was loosely, maybe loosely based on, well, like a lot of fiction is somewhat yeah. based on. And Make Your Home Among, among Strangers. You're right, it was a novel. It was a novel. And then this new one. I love the the initial description is Scarface meets Moby Dick. I love that, right? <laughs> and and it's like, what is the description that it's a it's a former Pitbull impersonator, Pitbull exactly. the singer, <laughs> exactly, who remakes himself as a Scarface type? And, and I was and, like, I'm hooked. And, 
Our hope is to talk with her uh, at the Key West Literary Festival next month. Our hope is to, she's going to be speaking at that along with yes. several other authors. We had the um, the founder of the festival in here. Yeah, Arlo. Are Ar- you going to be down there? We are going to try. And if we do... I'll be down there too, we, so we can... Well, I would love to meet her in person yeah. and, and talk about her book. Because it's, I have good fun. I have a, an arc, a galley. It doesn't release till March, I want to say. It's a March book, and she's also coming through back then at that time as well. Great. She's so a great a, Miami voice. I think that, that terrific I'm voice. curious to hear more about. Yeah. She'll be sort of fantastic. Um, another Miami guy who's got a big new book out, a, a, a debut. His name is Andrew Boriga. And Andrew has written a book called Victim. And Andrew got his MFA at the University of Miami. And he studied with all those great writers there. Yeah, I, I feel like his name is in that circle of... Uh, of the the Patricia Engels and the uh, and the, but he's like an up and coming writer, yeah, right? Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's basically about a it's a satire about kind of a hustler from the Bronx, um, who basically uses the veneer of diversity initiatives to sort of cash in on identity. So it's a kind of satire about identity and what's going on. Who who is the author right now? Who um who it's it's led to a it's, I don't know if it's a series or a movie about um you know he's a black writer and people expect certain tropes to be in books so he kind of like turns it on his head. Um, I'm trying to think of that. Maybe I'm sure Elisa will do some some furious googling at some point. And we'll find it. But that's it's like a new movie that's out. But it's uh, I'm always curious. Oh, is it the one uh, uh, Room and Alarm? Is it the movie that's out now about? About leave it, leave it all behind. I believe or, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. It's yeah. a really good movie as well. A couple of others. Salman Rushdie has a new novel coming out called Knife. Uh, oh, is that based? It's on actually his... it's not a novel. It's it's less. It's not a novel, but it's it's a literary meditation on what happened to him. Because Salman Rushdie, for yeah. those who don't remember, was attacked on stage right. um, and stabbed and and nearly killed, uh, and that was a couple years ago yeah. now. So he yeah. did quickly kind of... Yeah, and he's been going out and around, actually, so he's he's doing better. He's lost his eye, though, which is... And he lost the use of one of his arms. Another, another uh, you know, they're not all local, but I just happen to have, you know, there's a real, real richness of local writers. There's another first novel by a woman named Melissa Magullan, and she wrote a book called Oye. And uh, Oye is a novel, it's kind of a coming-of-age comedy, sort of, uh, it's almost like a telenova. Okay. Um, and it's a, a family saga. It's really, really good. This is one that I have read uh, before it came out. And uh, she, too, uh, lived in Miami. She went to Iowa. And so, you know, there'll be some interesting, um, interesting words about that. There I'll, is, I'll um... just run through a few others that, might be interesting to people. Uh, Tommy Orange has a new one. Oh, Tommy Orange. Tommy Orange's right. new one is called Wandering Stars. And this is one you're going to love. i got to get you the galley of this. It's by Hanif Abdur-Kib, and it's called There's Always This Year on Basketball and Ascension. And it should be, I haven't read it yet, but he's, I know, coming, and I can't wait to, to read it. I have a galley. I'll get you a galley, He and was a um, he was a, a guest of ours. Um, he's a poet. He's a he and a huge and a huge uh, sneakerhead and sneaker basketball head, fan. But he's also quite a thinker. He writes on the the, the the cultural 
the cultural issues of black performance and he, all of that sort of he thing. He makes really interesting connections. Um, he wrote a book called um, A Little Devil in America. Yeah. And, uh, and that was in 2021. But I read it last year after we had him on the show um, because he had some new work. And I just... I. The connections that he makes in those books about like how he talks about what black performance, both the physical performance on stage versus like the performance that a person who is black has to make in public to fit. And he the connections he makes there were great. So I'm, I'm really curious about. Yeah, this I want to see what he's doing with basketball as well. And then for those of you who remember, maybe a little older, that great rebel punk girl band Bikini Kill, the uh, the founder of that band, Kathleen Hanna has a book out called Rebel Girl. Speaking of that, a book that everyone's got to run out and read is called Sonic Youth. It's about um, um, it's about Sonic Youth. But it's, um, I think it's called Sonic Date. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. It's by a good friend of mine. And... Um, and that's one of the, that's a new book that's coming out. That it's it's by the one of the folks in Sonic Youth. Yeah, it's by it's by uh, the founder. Um, uh, Thurst, uh, Thurston. Thurston. Moore? Thurston Moore. Thurston. If you're listening, I'm sorry. It's just my brain is on on hiatus. And it's his, Thurston it, Moore's new book is it is it Sonic Life? Sonic Life. All right. And it's about Sonic Youth, and it's a fabulous book. There's some really great books about music that are out now too. There's a Big, huge tome on Bob Dylan that I, everyone ought to get. It's, it came out of the, the Bob Dylan um, archive in Tulsa. But Thurston, what he does is he recreates the 80s and 90s in New York. And Thurston's a Miami guy, too. He originally grew up in Palm, the Palmetto area. And he's a great, great guy and a wonderful, wonderful writer. And so everyone should go out and get that. I, um, I will. T- I will tell folks if um, uh, we are going to be putting together a list of all the books that we've talked about and their authors, and we're going to include that um, on our on our uh, website wlrn.org. Um, so you don't if you're if you're in the car and you're worried about scribbling it all down, don't worry. We'll we'll. There's get a you. real. There's also a real. There's a, a, a real fun book um, that I can't wait to read. Um, it's by um, Asha Elias. It's her first novel. She's a Miami girl, and it's called Pink Houses, and it's a satire, and it's a, it's very it's it's very commercial, really fun, about um, a, a woman from the Midwest who comes and experiences what happens in those uh, in the PTAs, as you can only imagine, in the um, affluent. Miami public schools. <laughs> it, you know what? You can imagine what that's like. Yeah. Well, I I think one of the things I'm really interested in is that we're having such a wider variety of Miami voices. Oh. I'm going to stop to say that I I read I started reading Joan Didion's Miami, and I know that folks have held that book up for a long time. So I I was actually in the bookstore and I and I was looking for something kind of short, something I haven't read, and I saw her name with uh, attached to a different book. So I went and I thought Miami. I'm going to go grab it. I read about half of that book, and then I ha- I put it down because I was like, this book is no longer this look ne- is no longer relevant, and maybe never was. It's populated with characters that are instead are are pulled from the crime pages of the Miami Herald, and I was like, this is not representative at all of of the people in the Miami that I felt. Well, you know, she wrote it in 1985. Yeah, so there's no reference that you'd be able to make out of any of that. Yeah, 
But what you know, she didn't spend a lot of time here. But that was that was the way she and you reported. Can tell. And you can tell. You know, yeah. there's some there are some other more comprehensive books about that period. And of course, the Year of Dangerous Days captures it more. And maybe that's what you needed. You needed somebody who looked back and did research. And but jo- Joan was very participatory. I don't doubt that those were the people she met. But when you look back now, so many years later. The, only, the thing that you take from that book is the way she writes. Right. Not necessarily the way it reflects Miami, I don't think. Right. The Year of Dangerous Days is by... Nicholas Griffin. And that's one of the books that you guys uh, We've have We've optioned, optioned and we're right? hoping to make a great film with it. Um, we really, really are. And, and Nick, Nick has a play coming out at the theater at the Colony, and it's on Edna, Buch- Edna Buchanan. Edna Buchanan, who was the great Miami Herald the great crime Miami writer. crime writer. And so this, he took an, a sort of a... He, with all the research he did from Year of Dangerous Days, where Edna is in that, he basically pulled out the sections about Edna, and he's written this amazing play that'll be shown in the spring. Well, that that sounds a lot like a future Sundial guest to me. I'm not sure. Oh, about you, you need to, <laughs> Nick. You will love to have. Um, what uh, what book are you going to be giving as a holiday gift? What what have you already? Maybe don't tell me who you're giving it to, but what book have you already wrapped that you're going to be giving? Well, it's interesting. For me to give holiday gift books seems too easy, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but the books that I've been sending out to people and I've been recommending on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on who they are and what they're looking at. But, you know, uh, what's really cool is if you've got someone who loves history and that sort of thing, The Wager has been a really big book by David Gran, mm-hmm. who wrote... Um, the the Scorsese the, the new Scorsese film oh right um, uh, Killers of the Flower Killers Moon of the Flower Moon this mm-hmm. is David's newest one uh, Lessons in Chemistry is a book that I've been recommending left and right to people who are walking in the store if they haven't read it yet um, I also love if if you're into mystery um, uh, there's some really terrific uh, sort of Miami mysteries that are out I I never I I never Higher, um, uh, you know, of recommending. Um, uh, my memory is just going. You know, that's what happens to me. <laughs> well, I you have so many you. books going through it. I know that two, going through two my of the head. books that I'm giving this year is uh, I have a horror, a new interested horror fan in my life, and I'm giving a, a Stephen King book uh, to her uh, to start her off. And uh, and uh, I got a historical fiction lover, um, and I'm giving her the maybe the quintessential historical fiction. I'm giving her Wolf Hall. Oh, Wolf Hall is. I just recommend that to a young girl who came in. Right, this looking is looking for a story. This is for one of my daughters. So it's I'm James Grappando, who I who I never I never tire of giving a really great mystery to. Um, yeah, there's some, you know, with me, I'm surrounded by so much that, and I'm giving recommendations all the time. But it all always depends on what their interests are, more or less. Well, isn't this the beauty of what you wanted to do from the beginning? Right, is is be involved in a world where you could be surrounded by books and recommend books to others and that fill their is lives my, with them. That is my happy place. My happy place is um, is selling books and buying books for the store. Is, and I'm trying to I'm trying to organize my life so all you'll do if you walk into my bookshop is see me. <laughs> that I never have to answer another email is what what I'm striving for. Well, uh, we've talked about so much on the show that I want to I want to 
point folks in the right direction. If you want to know more about the Books and Books Literary Foundation, it's just at booksandbooks.com forward slash foundation. Mitchell, thank you for spending the hour with us. It was a real pleasure. Oh, it's always great to be with you, Carlos. Thank you. Our guest today was Mitchell Kaplan. He's the co-founder of the Miami Book Fair and the owner and founder of Books and Books. If you missed any part of our conversation, all Sundial episodes are available on our daily podcast, and you can find us on Instagram at WLRN Sundial. And that's Sundial for Tuesday, December 19th. Leslie Olaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. There's no Sundial tomorrow, but we're back on Thursday. It's a roundtable of local food editors, and it's guaranteed to make you hungry. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.